from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. While all of them are grateful for, you know, the technical or it having an official month, um, I remember Anita Wilson was telling me that she celebrated every month. That's something that I, you know, tend to agree with as well. Um, you know, black music is something that should be celebrated all the time. I'm Sarah Fenske. More than four decades have passed since President Jimmy Carter declared June Black Music Month. But it took music executives to have a full court effort, including meeting with President Bill Clinton 20 years later, to get an official proclamation signed. Now, another two decades after that, the Belleville News Democrat is devoting this June to honoring a hotbed of black music. Its ESTL Voices series highlights black artists with deep roots in East St. Louis, and that includes no less than Miles Davis. That is Milestones, the title track on East St. Louis native Miles Davis's 1958 studio album. Each Sunday, the Belleville News Democrat has been publishing a new Q&A or profile in its ESTL Voices series. That series is the brainchild of Belleville News Democrat reporter DeAsia Page, and she joins us today. DeAsia, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So as we celebrate Black Music Month here, uh, tell us your story. How did you first learn about Black Music Month? Um, I pretty much grew up with it all my life. I mean, the BET Awards happens every June, and that's to honor, um, you know, Black Music Month. And I grew up watching that with my family since I was, you know, a child. So it was something that I've already, I've always known about. Um, And so I wanted to dedicate this piece Um, or this series of pieces um, to Black Music Month. So, Mm. yeah. So in the introduction to this series, you write that East St. Louis arguably laid the groundwork for the bulk of popular music. That's a big claim there. How so? Yeah, I know it's it's a huge claim, and I was kind of rethinking it as I was writing it, but it is true. I mean, Tina Turner, um, one half of Ike and Tina, and then also she went on to have her own solo career, she started in East St. Louis um, at a nightclub, and then Chuck Berry also got his start, you know, in East St. Louis, and then Miles Davis um, was raised in East St. Louis, and I think without those three artists, it's kind of hard to tell where the future of jazz and rock and roll will be, since they are the pioneers um, of those genres. So that's why I made Pet. That huge claim. It's a huge claim. You make a good case for it. You also, in this <laughs> series, get into Lincoln High School's jazz band. This is such an important part of this story. What is its impact and its significance? Yes, and that's something um, that I kind of learned about as I did the reporting. I wasn't previously aware of the notoriety of that jazz band until I talked to Chuck Harmy, who mentioned that he was a part of it, and then um, Anita Wilson, who's a, who's a gospel singer, who um, we just released her piece um, in the Black Music Month series last Sunday. She performed with that band as well. And then, of course, Miles Davis um, was a part of that band. So I never really realized the significance it had on people in the community until during the series. But it seems like it had a strong influence, given that it did 
sort of laid the groundwork for the careers of the artists included um, in my series. So that was something that I kind of discovered um, as I was reporting. So It's a great through line for this. And you mentioned Chuck Harmony. I wasn't familiar with his name, but reading your story, I realized I should be because I'm certainly familiar with his music. Tell us about this guy. Uh, what, who, who has he worked with and what's he known for? Yeah, so Chuck Harmony, um, currently he's one half of a pop duo called um, Lewis York. It's named after where the two um, bandmates are from, Harmony being from East St. Louis, and then Claude Kelly being from New York. Um, But he got his start being a songwriter. Um, He's written for the likes of Janet Jackson, Mary J. Blige, um, Celine Dion. Um, I mean, you name it, he's written for, you know, maybe your favorite artist, so... Um, that's kind of how he got his start. Um, he still does some songwriting, but um, he's based in Nashville, and he has his own uh, record label called Riddle Workshop, which he founded with um, Claude Kelly. And so from there, they they are really like music peers, and they want to try to change or shift the narrative um, in music today. And so that's what they're trying to do with their record label and with their band, um Lewis York. So that band, Lewis York, um, I want to play a selection of their work. Let's listen to their song, Don't You Forget. And that is Don't You Forget by Lewis York. Now, Chuck Harmony, who's one half of that band, he told you that East St. Louis is an unkept secret in the music business. What did he mean by that? Um, I think he just meant that there's just so much um, talent in the city that doesn't really get recognized because of its location and also because of maybe the bad rap that the city has already gotten. Um, Some people, when I do speak of East St. Louis to friends and family, they think I'm talking about St. Louis, so... That's sort of another thing that kind of keeps um, East St. Louis hidden. Um, so that's why that's what I think um, he was referring to when he said that. So East St. Louis is kind of in the shadow as far as national attention um, to St. Louis, kind of its sister city across the river. And yet Miles Davis, it feels like everybody has respect for Miles Davis. And one of the first things you learn about Miles Davis is, oh, he grew up in East St. Louis. You wrote about him for this series. He's been so well covered over the years. Is there still new ground when it comes to his early years and his life? Um, yeah, I think I, I think there is because often when you hear narratives of Miles Davis, you often get his start in, in New York when he went to Juilliard and how he eventually dropped out and started his jazz career. Jazz career there, but his jazz career actually started you know, in East St. Louis, um, he had a mentor, um, Elwood Buchanan, who really just inspired him to continue, you know, doing his work in music and kind of just encourage his affinity for jazz music in general. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he was a part of Lincoln Jazz Bands, um, and I believe he did also start um, his own high school band in the basement of his home in East St. Louis. And so I think you know, sometimes when we do hear about Miles Davis, East St. Louis does sort of get forgotten as that sort of like 
launching pad for his career. Um, so, yeah. And you talked to Eugene Redmond, the St. Louis Poet Laureate. What did you learn from him about Miles Davis? Yeah, it wasn't really something that I that I learned from him because I already knew that Eugene Redmond sort of had a connection to Miles Davis, which, which was he did deliver newspapers to um, Davis's father, who was a prominent um, dentist in the area. But I think what he, what talking to Redmond did make me realize was he mentioned in my interview with him an article written by W. E. B. Du Bois. Um, who's the co-founder of the NAACP, and he was also the editor uh, for quite some time of the NAACP's magazine, um, The Crisis. And he kind of wrote this article, which kind of sparked controversy because he sort of made the case for segregation, and he was talking about school segregation specifically in the article, but when Redmond brought it up to me, he was mentioning that, you know, Miles Davis grew up in segregation, and it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to tell if we would still get Miles Davis today if that weren't the case. And I think he was trying to get to sort of the power in being among people who not only look like you, but are socialized to, you know, care about you and sort of that power of community, um, which I think East St. Louis um, still has today as in, you know, all black or mainly all black um, community. That that sort of embrace you get from that community was pivotal to creating him and, and creating the other people you profile. Right, exactly. I mean, every everybody who I've interviewed have mentioned that East St. Louis has a very strong sense of community that isn't really replicated, you know, anywhere else, because most people don't stay in East St. Louis anymore. Um, some, one lives in L.A., another I mentioned lives I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Another lives in Chicago now. So they've all moved away from the city. But it was just interesting how each of them has said that the strong sense of community that East St. Louis has has led them to where they are today. Yeah, that that definitely came through in your interview with Anita Wilson, who now lives in Chicago. She's a gospel singer and songwriter. Her YouTube video, for more than anything, has 22 million views. This is a huge hit. You might not be aware of if you're not listening to gospel. Let's listen to a bit of this gospel tune. And that is Anita Wilson, her hit song, More Than Anything. Uh, Deja, how does her story show the power of black churches in the St. Louis area? Oh, yeah, and I would even go further and say it shows the black, it shows the power of black churches um, to black music in general, um, because, you know, black church, I mean, music today has originated from, you know, the black church, um, gospel, um, started R&B and R&B, started soul music and soul music started jazz and so on and so forth. And so I think in talking to Anita Wilson, it wasn't just um, sort of uh, the power of churches in East St. Louis, but it also reiterated to me the power of churches, um, of black churches in particular, to the landscape of music that we have today. Even Chuck Harmony, he grew up, you know, singing in the church as well. And so that's the narrative of most 
of the prominent black artists today who have, um, you know, inspired generations of mu- music to come. I mean, even Tina Turner, she grew up singing, singing in the church, and that's going to be a common thing that you find um, with black artists who have, you know, really defined American music today. So. Mm. Well, we've been talking about your ESTL Voices series. This runs in the Belleville News Democrat. If anybody wants to check out these stories, they're just each such a good profile and kind of tied together by this theme of of the East St. Louis community. And all the ones we've talked about so far are ones that have already run. Uh, The one last one I want to mention today will hopefully get people tuning in for the next installment, uh, and that is Arama Mara. She's a producer, singer, and tech entrepreneur. Let's listen to just a bit of her song, Concrete blues. And that is Arama Mara, uh, her song Concrete Blues. You can uh, check out the story about her in the Belleville News Democrat this weekend. Deasia, we've been talking a lot about these these voices from the past, your Tina Turners and your Miles Davis. Does Arama, um, does she signify the future of music for me, St. Louis? Yes, she is, you know, more so of a, um, you know, contemporary artist. And it's interesting that you mentioned the future because, Orama Mara's, um, I don't want to, she's really a genre-bending artist, but she has done a lot of work in the EDM space. And often you don't really see black women sort of um, taking up that space. Sometimes black women artists are pigeonholed to do R&B or soul or, I guess, the quote-unquote black music, which has, you know, been stereotyped. But one thing I thought was interesting with Orama Mara is that she is kind of like sort of leading the way or a part of that um, trajectory of black women starting to get into the EDM space. And I'm hoping um, to hear more music from her because she is just starting, you know, her solo career. Um, she's working on a project and she's um, trying to have that out soon, as um, you'll see in my interview, as you'll read in my interview with her. So, um, yeah, it was interesting that she mentioned the future of music because I think Rama Mara is, you know, the future of music or a part of it. So this has been such a good crash course in East St. Louis's musical legacy. Last question here for us today, Deasia. You asked some of your subjects what Black Music Month meant to them. What did you take away from their answers as you think about uh, this celebration? Mainly that it's it's something that they celebrate, you know, all the time. While all of them are grateful for, you know, the technical or it having an official month. Um, I remember Anita Wilson was telling me that she celebrates it every month because she is a part of, you know, black music. And I think um, that's something that I, you know, tend to agree with as well. Um, You know, black music is something that should be celebrated all the time. And that's something that I definitely um, got from all my interviews. Well, DeAsia Page, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.